to our scripture reading time and um, the scripture is from John 11 it's following actually the lectionary chosen reading for this week which is remarkably um, timely and our reader is Katie Amadio. Today's reading is from John 11 chapters 1 through 45 the death of Lazarus Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, who will you love us? Okay, okay. Bless my hair. I'm appearing to my salon. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days, and then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you were going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, If he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Jesus comforts the sisters of Lazarus. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, 
and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? <clears throat> yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is, coming to, is to come into the world. After, this, after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, please take about one minute of silent reflection to center our minds and our hearts on letting the Holy Spirit guide us um, into this text.
Let us pray. Our great God, you are so gracious and so wonderful. As we come into this call from different experiences this week, maybe sheltering in place feels very lonely and quiet. Maybe it feels extremely loud and noisy. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a struggle. Maybe it feels like a blessing. We might be struggling with um, job loss, or we might be just incredibly grateful to be able to work from home. We might be excited to be off of school, but also bummed to miss our friends. We find ourselves in all kinds of different places. We may feel like we haven't yet enter entered into the pain and struggle of a global pandemic, or we may feel like it hit us hard and real this week. From all these different places, whether it's with great faith or great doubt, whether we feel close to you or far from you, we pray that you would draw us in and speak to us now. And may you remind us that we are more of a mess than we care to admit. And yet through Jesus, we are more loved and accepted than we ever imagined. Speak to us through that kind of grace. Now in Jesus name and through the power of your Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, friends, once again, um, following last week, we have another incredible passage of scripture that, um, um, and I've committed to do very brief uh, scripture reflections. I'm not even calling them sermons. You know, this is just like either a homily or a scripture reflection, and then it'll be followed by a um, a time, I think about five, six minutes where you can just have some quiet reflection on the word. So I'm not going to talk very much, but I would love to talk for a half hour about this passage. It's so packed and full of things. So I have to crystallize and keep things short. So I wanted to say right on the front end, if you take one thing away from this call, there's one thing I want you to know, one takeaway. It is this, listen carefully. It is that Everybody get that? Is that, I'll say it again. I want you to. All right, so I see laughing. Good job. Nobody panicked. That was my attempt at humor in this medium. I, and it is extremely weird to have no, okay, there we go. We see some of this. Uh, extremely weird to get zero audio feedback to a joke in a sermon. All right, but it, moving on, in all seriousness, <laughs> in all seriousness, this is, the, this is the heavy question that comes up in this passage, the heavy, heavy question. Um, why would a good and powerful God, a good and all-powerful God, not step in and halt COVID-19? Okay, so transition from my incredibly amazing sense of humor to an, a, a very um, heavy question, all right? So why would a good and all-powerful God not step in and halt the coronavirus? It's a very real question. We're going to be asking it. You're going to feel it. Even if you don't feel like it's okay to ask that question, that is a question. 
And it's a question I think that'll get increasingly personal for each of us as these weeks move on. And this is a question, it's basically the why question. Why, why, why? It'll get specific, you'll ask it in different ways. It's been asked throughout history and it was asked in this passage. Did you catch it? Um, this is how it, it comes out first. The sisters, Jesus, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. You know, our brother, you know, Jesus, why? Why were you here? Our brother would be alive still. Why weren't you here? And that may be ex exactly how you will want to ask um, or you will want to talk to God in the coming weeks. Why weren't you here, God? Where were you? And in this passage, there's a constant emphasis in this, actually. Um, there's so much going on in the passage, it's hard to tease it out on the first reading, but there's a constant emphasis on why this whole raising of Lazarus, why his death and why his raising is happening. There's constant focus on this. Why is it happening? So right away in verse four, we read, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, and then here's the why, answering the why question, it is for God's glory, so that. That's how you answer a why question. You say, so that. So that God's son may be glorified through it. There's a huge focus on why. Verse 15, and this is even kind of, this, this ratchets it up a little bit to a, a little bit of a troubling level. Verse 15, we're talking about why again, like why is this happening? Jesus says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad. I am glad I was not there. What? Everybody's saying, why were you not there? Don't you care? And Jesus says, I'm glad I wasn't there. It's a little extreme, I feel like. But then the reason, so that, that's how you answer a why question, so that you may believe. Jesus is, I, I, I do want you to hear this, so zero in on this, and I'm not going to mute myself this time. <laughs> Jesus is so aware of a greater impact that he has, he almost has, I want to use the word delight, a little risky to use that word. Jesus is so aware of the greater impact that he has delight amidst all the anxiety and the trouble. Think about that for where we're at right now today. No one else sees the crisis this way. No one else in the story of John chapter 11 with Lazarus. No one else today in in the world, in your, your friendships, your family, all the, the news feeds, no one sees this crisis today the way Jesus saw the crisis in this passage, almost with a, a kind of delight amidst the anxiety. And instead, what we get is the same kind of things that are in the story. It, it, I, I love the Bible. I love this, how you see this. It's so applicable. You see skepticism throughout. Three great examples. There's even more than this, but three great, very clear examples of skepticism that, that are contrary to Jesus's outlook. You have Thomas saying, you know, basically defeat us. Well, all right, let's go ahead and go to Bethany. We're all going to die. So it's the, 
we're all going to die. Just, oh, this isn't this horrible. We see that today. So there's one example of skepticism. Then there's the sisters, of course, saying, if you would have been here, Jesus, God, where are you? You weren't there. That's the perennial question amidst suffering. God, why were you not there? It's the skepticism. It's the doubt. And then the third thing, this is subtle, but you'll, if, you, if you pay close attention, you'll see this. He says, the Jews say when he's walking towards the tomb, the Jews that are the, the onlookers, they say, interesting. He, he just healed that blind man. Why could he not heal Lazarus in time for this to happen? And we'll hear that same thing again when Jesus is on the cross and he's getting mocked. We'll hear, hmm, he saved others. Can he save himself? So the skepticism abounds just like it does today. The skepticism, the doubt, the fear, the anxiety, the panic. And so we find ourselves, friends, in an ocean of panic, I would say, an ocean of disbelief. And amidst it, let me tell you what we learn from this passage is that there are, there's such a thing as the eyes of faith, the eyes of faith that bring us to a place where we can be curious about God's purposes, curious about God's plans. Do you have the eyes of faith in the ocean of panic and anxiety? Just to be, I'm not even saying you have to know or predict. I'm not even knowing or predicting what God's doing right now in, in the mess of our world. But are you curious? Are you curious that there is a God out there that has some kind of a plan? Now, it's very important to notice and to ask this question, because I know somebody's going to want to point it out. Um, this whole thing about Jesus being glad. I'm glad this happened so that my purpose could, well, does that sound like Jesus is just amidst a global pandemic? Maybe Jesus is out there just dancing around, happy-go-lucky, not caring, just, oh, this is so great, all this suffering because, you know, God's going to be glorified in the end. I don't think that's an accurate um, caricature either because what we see in this story, of course, and this is the most famous part about this story, everybody knows it, it's the Bible verse that you choose to memorize if you don't want to memorize a verse in the Bible because it's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. It's, so, so Jesus does seem to have a little kind of delight. I'm glad. I know the plant. But make no mistake, what we have with Jesus is one who plunges in with the people enters in, sees the tears, sees the weeping, sees the sorrow that the broken world brings, and sits amidst it, amidst it and cries as a friend and as a lover, as someone who is in there in the relationship, and cries and sobs and feels it. He's not aloof at all. He plunges in. And of course, he'll plunge in to his own suffering right there with us. And so I want to say that I don't have, I absolutely don't have all the answers to the why questions about COVID-19. I'm not here to give those. And if somebody claims to have them, um, I would chalk that up to snake oil salesman type behavior. That's not, I don't even think that's what we can do. But what I know for sure, I don't have the answers to the why question, but what I know for sure is what we have is a weeping savior. 
who will refuse to remain aloof, even if he seems aloof today. I would push it even further and, and paint this picture. I would say picture Jesus as the physician friend. There's a lot of talk about medical, doctors, hospitals, everything else. There's a lot of talk about physicians. Jesus is the physician friend who weeps with you and holds you in his arms while he brings his healing power. Let me say that again. Jesus is the physician friend who weeps with you and holds you in his arms while he brings his healing power. And so I want us to be curious and let's consider a couple of questions in our curiosity. One would be how might God amaze the world amidst this global pandemic? Just a simple question, I don't have the answer. How might God amaze the world amidst this global pandemic? Are you curious about that? Second question, what will the onlookers see? It's very clear in this passage, there's this, you don't notice it right away, but it's a thread that gets planted and then woven into the fabric of the story until you get to the end. And then it's clear why this fabric was being woven. It's the fabric of the onlookers. These people that are just referred to as the Jews, but they're mentioned and then they're mentioned and then they're mentioned, they're kind of becoming more and more there and present and you're aware of them. And then all of a sudden the last line, therefore, many of the Jews, the onlookers, who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. What will the onlookers see in our world today? It's a question. A question I don't have the answer to, but I think we might be part of how that happens. And I think we might be part of it because of a phrase that I wanna put out. I think I mentioned this last week, just putting two words together and say, I think that this is a time for the church to have courageous compassion. Just two words, very simple, courageous compassion. I think the cur courageous is extremely rare right now and the compassion, maybe not as rare, but it's, but it's also rare right now. Courageous compassion. The courageous comes from, if you think about the story and Easter, it comes from the empty tomb, comes from the resurrection that Christians hold dear. Courageous is, is the antidote to the fear and the anxiety and the panic. Courageous. And then compassion. The fact that we are in touch with and have been touched by the weeping physician. Courageous compassion. I'm gonna give you you know, uh, five, six minutes here to have, um, and you might need, if you're with others, you might need to say, hey, are we doing the um, silent reflection or are we gonna discuss? But um, whether you're doing reflection or discussion, I wanna put these questions before us. On the screen here are the questions. Take five minutes and ask these questions, discuss these questions or journal about these questions. What is God revealing to you through this passage? And what will be a first step you can take in response? Friends, as we draw back together um, from this time of reflection, I'm just gonna close in prayer and ask that God would 
uh, through his spirit really, really just bless our community, our households, our individual lives with, um, with wisdom and clarity on how to, how to embody courageous compassion. And then we'll move into our um, responses through um, prayers of the people and the offering. Let's pray. Our gracious God, um, we are listening for your voice in this passage um, of the raising of, of Lazarus, the stone getting rolled away. Um, and we're looking forward to a couple weeks from now, Easter, where we'll learn about a, and hear about and be reminded about a different stone being rolled away. We ask for your Holy Spirit to inspire and to um, energize us towards the kind of courageous compassion that results from the empty tomb. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.